Saturday. But let's talk uh, netball now. I can already see the reaction on social media about this netball story. The Mpumalanga Sunbirds had to forfeit their semi-final win and they didn't make the final because um, in one of the quarters they had a 6-1 split, which was six black players and... Um, one white player and netball south africa's rules are actually very clear there is a rule 3.6 that i had a look at earlier today uh, i'm just trying to find it again there were 3.6 and 3.7 actually here it is i've got it here in front of me it says provincial teams should reflect the demographics of the country team management should be 50 50 and the filter of players should be two uh, five or three quarters on court and should apply at all times failing to comply points and goals will be taken from the non-complying team provincial demographics will be considered on approval of players and team management and clause 3.7 says the competing team should play two five or three quarters in each quarter of the game if a team plays six one on court for the entire quarter and complied with two five or three quarters in other quarters or three four in other quarters that team will be considered non-complied of target system and such teams will forfeit points and goals of that game and a lot of people believe that it affects the team if there are more white players than black players but that's not the case as we've seen in the telecom netball league this season and and we are joined on the line from Netball South Africa by Mami Diale. Mami, good evening and thank you very much for speaking to us here on SAFM tonight. Good evening, Tavisa uh, and the listeners. Thank you. Firstly, I don't know if you're watching the last game. How did it finish? The Oh, is, is the final on now? Sorry, has it started? Yeah, the final is, no, it's still, uh, it has started, it's still on. Oh, so who finished third? It's not yet over. Oh, the third and fourth place playoff match is not yet over. Oh, no. You you you, you mean between um, the Sunbeds? Yes. Sunbeds and the Tornadoes. Uh, the Tornadoes won, won the game. Yes, there was another. Weren't the Fireballs also playing today? Yes, they played as well and the Fireballs won. Okay, the game. so they finished third in Division 1. Yes, they finished it. Okay, no, now let's talk about this rule, Mami Diale. Mami is a Netball South Africa executive member, by the way, and director of demarcation and head of events. And uh, please take us through this transgression of the Sunbeds that saw them miss out on a place in the final, Mami. Um, you know, let me start by saying that um, each and every member of Netball South Africa, before they come into the tournament or the championship, they are being given by uh, competition rules, and obviously all the, all the coaches, they get to know about the rules. And the rules that we are talking about is not a new thing, Taviso. Uh, everybody that is within the netball family, they know about these rules. And one thing that we as Netball South Africa pride ourselves is, you know, we don't surprise our members. They, the rules of Netball South Africa endorsed by the council, the national body, you know, of Netball South Africa. So all these rules were practiced long before. It started in 1994. They were changed in 2011. And, you know, we, transgre- we transgressed towards the time uh, with the changes and all that. So the 2-5 on court all the time is a known factor in Netball South Africa. So every single coach know about it. And, you know, the surprising part about it is, you know, everything has been going smooth within mm-hmm. the league. Oh, no. Towards the end, uh, there were changes and we don't know what happened. Maybe it was an oversight or something. But, you know, the question will be that, you know, all along, all the uh, the teams have been complying with 2-5 on court all the time. What we are saying as Netball South Africa, it doesn't matter. The 2-5 is... It is 
perspective of dominant five blacks, dominant five whites, it doesn't matter, but to us it must be filtered on court. And then we are also saying that it must be three, four on court all the time, but not six, one at all. You know, the reason why we are saying this mm-hmm. is, you know, the National Netball League, it's an elite, you know, um, competition whereby it's a provincial teams are brought together. You cannot tell me that within a province, we don't have different, uh, you know, ethnic groups in terms of race, you know. That is why we say that netball is for everybody. Therefore, when they choose players, they must choose them on merit. That's number one point, you know, of departure. But when they bring them into this high-performance uh, league, they need to make sure that every player is given a fair chance of play as well. So do these rules apply, uh, are there the same rules in every tournament or are they different? Because I would think that if there's a district tournament, let's say in the rural areas, and then they kind of white players, then they, and, and, and the majority there is black. Do the same rules apply? You know, Tabi, so one thing that I can tell you is Netball South Africa, we've got different programs. Mm-hmm. And each and every program has their own tournament rules. That's why we are calling them tournament rules. Mm. When we go to the championship, that's where the districts now, they are bringing uh, players um, at the national championship. It's no longer provinces, it's districts. And we say to our district member, set yourself, set targets to us. Just indicate to us how are your targets. The districts are the ones that inform us to say that for this year, these are our targets. We've got so many, you know, high-performance players in terms of color, in terms of, you know, their race and all that. They set their target. But at the end of the day, we are saying that they have to have two fives on court all the time. We're looking at the demographics as well, you know, of the provinces. And we know that the demographics, they differ province to province and district to district. So... And you cannot tell me that, uh, you know, we know and we understand that there are some other deep rural districts where there's no, probably, there might not be whites. But whites will be there, but there might not be whites who are not registered, or there might not be blacks who are not registered. So the point of departure, you need to be a registered member of Netball South Africa. I believe this is the second uh, transgression in this tournament. What what was the first one with the team from Limpopo? Yes, uh, Limpopo. They had. Uh, they also had uh, the same situation where uh, they played a six-one on six-one on court, uh, of which they played one white player. But with Limpopo, it's different because they knew it from the onset that they're gonna play six-one. Hence, they didn't have any problem at all because. You know, they came at the eve of the competition uh, to of their games to indicate to us that uh, the player is writing an exam, and that player was writing an exam just next to the court. So there was nothing. Unfortunately, we said that things like this, you know, there are rules that are set. They should have reported before the time so as we can see as Nepal, South Africa, what plans do we put in place to accommodate the team. So then, if, if, if they gave a reason that one of their players was, was writing exams, what are the consequences then? Is the punishment lesser on them? What I'm saying is, had Limpopo, for practical example, communicated with Netball South Africa before the time, a day before, okay. in a form of a letter, in a form of a letter, they should write a letter so as we can have ev- evidence, 
you know, something that is documented at hand to say this is the situation. Obviously, from our side, we will want to get the timetable, we will want to get the time of play and all that, and we will make arrangements to accommodate them. They failed to do that with us. Mm-hmm. Now, did the sunbeds give you a reason for not adhering to the rules? Um, sunbeds, uh, you know, I don't even want to talk because that is an internal matter. I don't want to talk about their reasons. Mm-hmm. They had their own reasons, probably. It might have been an oversight or so, but, you know, the rules are clear. And I'm glad that you read those rules to say that once you do it for the entire quarter, yeah. for the entire 12 minutes, it's not a mistake. If you will do it for two minutes, three minutes or seven minutes, we would understand. And you correct that, um, you know, mistake at that moment, we do understand. Hence, the rules are clear to say that once you play for a full quarter, then it cancels everything. And then who picks it up? Is it Netball South Africa or does the opposition have to lodge a protest? Netball South Africa set the rules. Netball South Africa will have to ensure that the rules are adhered to. So we are the ones responsible to make sure that members are adhering to the rules. So we have a technical table that picks up things Uh like that. And do the teams have a right to appeal? Yes, they do have a right to appeal. Have they appealed in these instances? They did appeal in this instance. Okay. And I guess when they appeal. When they appeal, we look at the reasons given, you know, to, to check why and what happened because our rules are clear. And even the good part about it, the appeal is part of rules and regulations mm. to say that if an incident happens within 24 hours, you need to write a letter of, you know, your appeal on the situation. So we look at the rules, we sit as a DC, and then we discuss it. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, we have to make sure that uh, rules are implemented. So we had to make a decision that given the reason, you know, we have to speak to the rules. Okay, we've just got uh, two voice notes here for Mami, who are speaking to from Netball South Africa, just about what happened in the Telcom Netball League. We've been covering it for the past two weeks. We even spoke to Dikeledi Chabalala last week to give us an update, and we've been getting scores and clips through every single day from uh, from the bubble day in Mangawong. Evening, TT. I hope you and the SAFM listeners are well. This is Ben from Pretoria. Uh, TT, regarding the netball saga, um, 26 years, 27 years on from uh, being post-apartheid, from uh, a post-apartheid um, South Africa, uh, Shouldn't there be reformations put in place? I know, like the refor- the quota system was put in to um, to give disadvantaged, previously segregated athletes an opportunity to also compete for the national teams. But shouldn't there be a reformation of the of the quota system, not just in like the major sports, but in all sports specifically, and like for the picking of such things? Doesn't that also tie back to um, the convener of selectors? Do they pick based on the quota system once again, or is it based on like the player's ability? Because as we've seen with rugby and cricket, amongst other things, some decisions were political, and I think it's demeaning to the athletes since they should be chosen for their ability rather more so than their their the color of their skin.
But yeah, thank you for the great show. <laughs> I was actually listening to your uh, your story about the netball thing in uh, in Bloemfontein, and when you said you spoke of that six one five two split, I really didn't understand. But when you spoke about demographics, I thought it was actually more white players than black players. So <laughs> you really caught me there. But yeah, it's 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 nice to hear that they're actually applying. Um, such um, interventions in sports that were previously considered white. I just hope like rugby and cricket can have more more black players as well. It's a it's a nice controversy. I hope it catches the headlines to to show that when we say demographics, we don't mean like in favor of black people. We mean uh, in general that um, our sport, in fact, every income generating activity in South Africa must be representative of our demographics. That means there must be a percentage of white people, um, colored and Indian and any other person as power demographics. Not to say blacks must dominate. I like that they punish them. Now they, they will learn. I just hope the same applies to other sports. Okay, thanks for that voice note. I think let's start from there, uh, Mame, because there's a lot of disbelief on social media that uh, this decision went the other way because they had more black players than white players. But are, are, and, and I guess the common question will be that transformation rules are supposed to be pro-black because of the history of our country. But I remember speaking to Netball South Africa President Cecilia Mulukwane on this show before when there was an issue actually with the makeup of the teams, even before the tournament. And she was saying that with the transformation targets of Netball South Africa, they don't want to leave anybody out. Is that what happened here? Mm. That's true. You know, as Netball South Africa, we're saying Netball for everybody. And I'm glad, you know, this scenario. We've got Limpopo, that is dominant black. We've got Mpumalanga, that is dominant black as well. So development in Limpopo and Mpumalanga is for the whites. That is a known factor. If you to how thing development you know it's a 50 50 kind of a situation go to the western cape we've got the colors we've got you know uh, the white we've got the black and if you look at the demographic of a team of a western cape it speaks to that so as netball south africa we are saying netball for everybody so we can't be biased in situation like this where a white player was left out and then now we don't apply or implement rules we implement rules across the board. Had it been the same way where the Kainams are playing all white teams or a 6-1 of six white players and leave the black out, we were still going to punish them the same way. So, you know, we are a family as Netball South Africa and we preach that we need to do development across the board. As much as we understand that when you go to province by province, our demographics are not the same at all. But at the same time, we are saying that inclusivity and equal opportunity, it must be for everybody. And the most important thing, we don't just award equal opportunity for the sake of awarding it. We're saying that players must be on merit. Hence, we've also implemented the rule of saying that all the players that are here on this league, they need to be given at least 20% of play. You cannot bring players here, you know, to be on a holiday or to be benched. They need to be given game time, you know, on court. And all the teams have adhered to, to that rule. They managed to give the players game time, 20%. We understand the fact that some of the players might get 100% of play, some 70, some 80, but we're saying that at least make sure that team composition, you give them 20% of play.
Okay, I think you've also answered the question from Ben then in Pretoria. Thank you, Mami, for speaking to us. We're going to leave it there. We're going to give you time to go catch up on that final and we'll look ahead to the final tomorrow, of course, between the Krynams and the Jaguars. Who's your money on here? Let Netball be the winner. <laughs> <laughs> Diplomatic as usual. Okay. Thank you for speaking to us, Mami. We hope Netball will be the winner tomorrow. That's Mami Diale from Netball South Africa. Yo, interesting one, eh? Doesn't go one way now, the split. You can't have six black players and one white player on court in certain tournaments of Netball South Africa. We have to meet each other halfway, as you heard there from Mami Diale. We cannot exclude other people when we are, are trying to transform the sport, and that's basically their stance, and they're standing by it. Let's talk uh, cricket now. There are a lot of transformation issues in cricket too. I wonder how Umpile Ramela feels about this one. Umpile, good evening. Thanks for speaking to us on SAFM. So good evening and good evening to the listeners of SAFM. I don't know how much you heard of that last conversation, but a netball team had to forfeit its semi-final win. They didn't make the final because they did not meet the requirements of having a 5-2 split or having um, enough representation. They had six black players and one white player. They should have had 5-2 um, for them to go through to the final. What do you make of that when it comes to transformation? Tabi, so I always say um, sport is a microcosm of South Africa. And I think that's been one of the biggest challenges for sport in South Africa. One, to abide by the law. I think there's been a lot of challenges when it comes to abiding by the law. But most importantly, I think sport is just, it's going through change, much like the country at the moment. You know, the energy and the intensity of the change that you're seeing in our society, it's more intensified in our sporting arena. And I think netball is no different from cricket. And I think the challenges are no different from uh, what the public entities are experiencing, what, uh, what we as South Africans are experiencing as a country. So I do think it is, it is a difficult one to comment on fully in mm. terms of, I don't know, the, the intricacies of, of netball. But I, I, I one thing I can appreciate is that netball is no different from any other sporting code. And I think there, there is an acknowledgement that it needs to transform. And much like other sports, how, are you, how does the transformation agenda move forward? And I think the modalities of that have not been quite unpacked, and I think we have not been able to stabilize change and allow that process to unfold in a way that makes everybody feel included. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you on that one. Let's talk about why we brought you here. Are you surprised that the board took so long to resign? Because you guys have been calling a sucker, by the way. You've been calling for the board to step down. Even Saskok, with all their problems, called for them to step down. Yeah, we've, we've, we, as you know, so we've been calling for the board to uh, step down. But I think we must also commend the members' council uh, from heeding Saka's call and putting cricket first. I think we had an engagement uh, with them over the weekend. Um, saying we, we, we are in a situation where it's a very difficult one, but I think we ought to put cricket first. So it has taken some time to get here, and one would have wanted it to happen earlier. But I think the crux of the problem here is that Tariso, there is so much change that's taking place in cricket, and I think we have not managed change well, you know, and it's led to all kinds of chaos, you know, and it's led people to feel as if they are being excluded, whether it would be black people, whether it be white people, whether it be colored people. I think that's what's been at the heart of it. There's just been so much tension around the different interest groups that are in the game. And I think it's, it's time that we, we, we move to a higher level. We start you know, taking the sport forward uh, in a way that is progressive. How do we take the sport forward then, Umpile, and who should make up the board? 
the, the, the first starting point is um, we, we need people with the right skill set, Tabisa. We need people that have the skill set that can take modern-day cricket forward. And in that sense, I mean people who understand the international landscape, who understand the domestic uh, structure, who have skills in finance, who have marketing and media, but who also understand the transformation project. People who also understand what are the challenges um, that are facing cricket South Africa. So you, you need people with a variety of skills. But most importantly, you also need a lean board. You can't have a board that is too big because it doesn't have speed, it doesn't have agility. You need a, a much smaller board that can actually, in the interim, probably allow cricket to stabilize and to move to this new level. So I, I, I would definitely think that that's what you'd be looking for. You definitely need some technical skills from a finance perspective, um, but you also need some strategic things because transformation has to do with infrastructure. And mm-hmm. I think the infrastructure needs to be addressed, and the transformation project needs to be linked to schools. And that's part of the vision I would really outline and say, that's where you've got to take this. That's the high level I'm talking about, that the board has to have that strategic outset and also allow the day-to-day cricket to continue because that, that I think, is in a reasonable place. You know, but the actual challenge is what is happening, what is coming below, and what is our system going to look like in five years' time. And I think we've got to have our eyes on that. Let's take a call from Cape Town. Good evening, Colin. Good evening, Tabizu. Yes, go ahead. Good evening. Uh, two questions. Um, the netball. Yeah. Um, I think, um, I remember, I think uh, we were in a final, weren't we, last year against mm-hmm. Australia in the World Cup, weren't we? No, we didn't reach the final, but we reached the semis, yeah. Oh, well, the semis. Okay. Yeah. Correction. Um, I would just like to know uh, the quota system there. Okay. That's a question I asked. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one? Cricket, and cricket, cricket South Africa. I just heard on your news on your radio station this morning the entire uh, board um, resigned. Yes, yes, that's what we're talking about. Oh, yes, I know you're talking about that. But now I want to know, Tabisu, ask, ask your guest, mm. are we in a turmoil? Is the government going to take over the cricket? And I also heard about a week ago on your radio station, mm. ICC. The International Cricket Council yeah. reckons well, once you, um, the politicians, the government goes into sport, they're going to ban us. I would okay. just like to yes. ask your guest that. Is it true or not? Yes, yes, true, yes. True. It actually did. The minister did say he might intervene. Um, Umpilo, do you want to take those? Is this a turmoil? Are we in a turmoil, firstly? Uh, we, we are in the middle of change, Tabiso. I think, um, they, they, like I said earlier, they, they, we need change management. You know, we need not also be alarmist. I think uh, when people are asking, will, will South Africa be banned? I think what really gets South Africa out of the jam is I think the member council have shown the first step. They need to take ownership of uh, some of the decisions there. Yeah? Uh, and also, it's about integrity. If you appoint people with integrity that's unmatched, you appoint people with the right skill set, and you say, South Africa, these are the people that can take us forward. I, I, I really don't think we'll be in a position where we'll be banned. You know, so I, I think it, it's about the, 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 how the process unfolds. It's about saying we're going to put the interest of cricket first. And I think what, one thing that we have to be wary of is there's been a lot of conflict of interest, mm-hmm. you know, from the different parties involved in cricket. 
Once you separate that and you have an independent uh, board that can actually uh, have a look at some of the issues, but most importantly, drive a new vision. I think that's, that's what you need. You need a vision that looks forward, that allows, that pulls the transformation project forward, that drives excellence at the center. So I'm not too alarmist about saying the ICC is going to step over, uh, is going to step in and answer us in cricket. What we also have to appreciate, um, and I've raised this on a number of platforms, that South Africa has worked incredibly hard to earn its international status. It's a big player in the, in the international game. Therefore, we shouldn't take that status for granted. Mm. We should actually treat it with the necessary respect and dignity required. But we should also, this is a moment that calls to courage. We need to be courageous and appoint the right people. And I think that's really what I'm interested in. Can we appoint the right people to really shape up cricket? People with the right skill set, people with, with the necessary energy to actually um, put cricket on, on the right path. Do you think the proposed intervention from the minister also put them under pressure because he gave them a deadline of tomorrow? Yeah, I, I think that definitely puts significant pressure to, to say you've got to act and you've got you've to clean your house. You know, and I think from my interactions with the minister, he means well, and he, he wants cricket to actually get onto a higher level. But it's important that the people in cricket understand where, that's, where, where, where their responsibilities lie and take accountability for that. So I, I definitely think the deadline has put pressure on the members' council to act, right? And they have, uh, like I said, we commend them for actually saying, let's put cricket first and let's perhaps concede to an interim structure that is independent so that we can actually have people looking with a fresh pair of eyes onto the game. Okay, let's take a quick call. Anonymous, good evening. Thank you, Teresa. Yes. Teresa, it's very interesting about this transformation. I'm not a white person. Mm. But nevertheless, I have friends both in rugby and cricket. And uh, I mean black people, Mm. black sportsmen. And speaking to some of them, they don't like the idea when you keep advertising transformation because they feel the public thinks they are there because of transformation. In the meantime, they are really good players. Yeah. They're good sports people. They've invested heavily in the sport. So you guys must rethink this. Every time you talk about transformation, the black players don't want to feel as if they are there because of transformation. They are there because of the ability they have. Yeah, and I think, Abila, this is something you've once said on this show when we've brought you on as a guest, eh? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, think I've commented on this. And 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 I perhaps maybe should um, say something about this. Yes, we've got a minute. Go ahead. The the gentleman there is right, but what what needs to be acknowledged is that black players were not getting opportunities. They were being blocked out of the system. So there had to be a mechanism to create opportunities for them. Otherwise, this wouldn't have, we wouldn't be here. If there were people acting with integrity before to say, you know what, here's genuine talent from the township, here's a black guy who can play, we're going to give him the opportunity. If that had happened for the past 25 years, we wouldn't be having this discussion. But the reality is that has not happened. We have not had that. You know, and so the sport did not self-transform. So you've had to be put mechanisms in place to say, how do we create opportunities for black players? And the other element of transformation, which I, which I think should also be at the center of this conversation, we have to transform the business of cricket, uh, the business of sport in South Africa in general. But we have to start thinking, how do we now take our business model to become an effective business model 
that the unions and the affiliates can become self-sustaining. Mm. They don't have. Oh, oh no! So, so transformation. Oh, okay, no apologies. We're losing Mpile there. Oh, apologies for that. But we'll bring him back for some other time. But we're gonna have to move on now. Sorry about that, Mpile. But uh, thanks for speaking to us tonight.